Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. And welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. Um, if you guys are here for the first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is exciting stuff. Um, and we got a lot going on in this world. And if you are looking for resources, trying to get answers to your questions, you will likely be able to find quite a few of them here. So I'm really excited that you guys are here. And for those of you who are returning time and time again, you guys absolutely rock. Thank you so very much for being here. Really, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you come here week after week after week. Um, <clears throat> just got some audience numbers and, it, you know, it definitely shows. So trust me when I tell you that I really, really appreciate you guys. I appreciate all of you guys. So I am here to share with you the what and the how in human resources. I'm in the human business, and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. <clears throat> but most importantly today, we're going to talk about uh, some employment law changes across the nation. And I'm going to share with you later in the show where you can get access to these. Actually, I've got a new place as well as a other place. <laughs> We're just going to leave that right there. We're going to bookmark that for a moment. Um, we've got <clears throat> another awesome, awesome interview with Lauren Clement again today. Um, she was with us on the last podcast with Maggie Gallagher in the last episode, talking about how you can utilize awards to brand your organization as a employer of choice. And now Lauren and I are going to talk about branding your company as an employer of choice and how that attracts talent. <clears throat> so we're going to go through that. Really, really great interview. And actually, to be honest with you, we wound up putting it on hold. With everything that was going on, we were going to air this in January and uh, or January, February. And with the whole COVID-19 thing, it just completely derailed <clears throat> all of the programming. So um, she's here with us now. And you know what? What a perfect time for it. Um, it. It's an interesting market. It's a split market right now. Some areas of the market are employer choice which means that employers, it's an employer's market, which means that they, they can hire the talent that they're looking for. And then other parts of the mark, job market are employee market, which means that there's more positions available than people to actually fill them. So it's a, it's a really, really unique time right now. I've never seen the job market be like this before, but you know, it's conditional based off of what is going on. <clears throat> for all of this. So it's pretty great. Okay, so um, got that. We've got upcoming events and I'm gonna talk to you about how you can get best practices, my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. Now, before we go on folks, the information that is available through this podcast is in fact for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respects to any particular issue that you might be having. And if you do not have an employment attorney, you may go ahead and contact me and I may be able to refer one to you through our friends and our affiliates over at Jackson Lewis. All right, so employment law uh, news and changes across the nation. Huge, huge, huge landmark case. We have been waiting for this. As a matter of fact, we talked about um, one of the elements of this case, but um, the Supreme Court of the United States just ruled that it is now unlawful to discriminate against anybody who is uh, gay, against gender. So this was a big win for the LGBTQ community. Congratulations, guys. Um, you know what? Every human being deserves to be treated well. 
<clears throat> in this world. And so, uh, so absolutely huge. Um, about 23-ish states had already ruled that it was unlawful to discriminate against anybody because of their gender, which included the expansion just beyond the physical gender <clears throat> of sex, uh, but included uh, preference, included gender lifestyle, things like that. So huge, absolute win. And uh, we're actually going to put uh, the full uh, case, uh, the full case reading in uh, the membership site. So <clears throat> if anybody wanted to grab it, you guys can take a look at that. All right. So <clears throat> there's been a judge that has issued detailed opinions on invalid invalidating parts of the new NLRB election rules. Now, the IRS has also provided cafeteria plans uh, for the new temporary COVID-19 flexibility. It is, uh, we're coming up on our mid-year, and usually starting July is when we see a ton of new states that are coming down with a lot of new uh, new laws for the year. So midterm uh, legal changes are, are about ready to take place, and we're going to make sure that we bring those to you. <clears throat> Definitely keep an ear eye and an eye open for something like that. But we actually do have some updates um, where you can, and I'll tell you a little bit where you can get a hold of them, um, but there are some employment and labor law changes that are coming down the pike. Um, also, got a really great article talking about employers' response to uh, racial unrest and some information around that. Uh, there are some more changes to the Paytech, uh, Paycheck Protection Program that went into effect back on uh, June 5th, and that is now <clears throat> called the PPP Flexibility Bill that actually went and turned into a law. So got some information up there for you on that. The IRS has provided relief for retirement plan elections and consents that require to be notarized or witnessed. So if you guys are looking at working with that, <clears throat> there is now an exception that you guys can tap into. Also, OSHA has issued uh, some FAQs regarding face coverings, surgical masks, and respirators in the workplace. Over in California, San Francisco has updated its shelter-in-place order to reopen certain types of businesses. As like in a lot of other states, everybody's coming back online again. But understand that, especially in California, which is the reason why we kind of do a little bit extra call outs is because there's usually something to call out uh, that not only is it uh, federally at the state, but you'll find municipalities as well. San Francisco is a really great example of that. California Superior Court also has granted class certification in equal pay cases as well. Uh, bereavement leave is really kind of on the target as potentially the next mandated leave in the state of California. So you may want to, you may just want to keep an eye open for that. Over in Washington, D.C., uh, D.C. has amended their version of the Emergency Paid Leave uh, Act <clears throat> and has put some amendments in place. So if you're operating in D.C., you want to jump on that and make sure that you're staying on top of it. Over in Illinois, the workers' compensation uh, rebuttal around COVID-19 presumption has actually taken effect as well. Up in Minnesota, <clears throat> severe pervasive remains the standard to evaluate claims of sexual harassment based off of uh, some new activity that's taken place. Over in Philadelphia, they have, in Pennsylvania, they've expanded employment protections for domestic workers. And finally, up in Washington, uh, Seattle has passed the ordinance providing COVID-19 paid sick leave and safe time for gig workers. And that just, that little topic just continues to get more and more interesting. Now you can find these call outs. I'm actually putting all of these things that I'm talking about now over on the bestpractices.org website. All you have to do is just go over and click on the podcast tab and you'll actually see all of links to all of these articles uh, that I pull out and share with you guys on a regular basis. So you are welcome to hop over there <clears throat> and they will be updated first thing every Wednesday morning when this podcast episode drops. Um, I do have some some pretty interesting information. So we've got upcoming guest Dane Steffeson who's going to be joining us on next week's episode and that's episode 66. And he's an employment attorney and actually came from the Department of Labor, so he's a specialist in this area. He worked over there for 16 years. And last week, he sent me an update on where we actually stand with COVID-19-related lawsuits that have been filed. And I wanted to share this information with you guys. So since March 17th, there have been 178 lawsuits filed against employers due to alleged labor and employment violations related to the coronavirus. 
Now, these filings have increased rapidly over the past few months, and they include eight complaints from <clears throat> March 17th through the 31st, 48 complaints in April, 99 complaints in May, and 23 complaints within the first five days of June. Florida is leading the way with 21 cases filed, with New Jersey sitting at 19, California at 18, Texas at 14, and New York and Pennsylvania tied for 13, following very close behind. Now, the most common complaints have been focused on retaliation, 53 complaints, breach of contract, including wrongful termination, 38 complaints, workplace safety, 36, and wage an hour at 30. In addition, two unfair labor practice charges have been filed with the National Labor Relations Board. So folks, <clears throat> heed the warning that if you are not abiding by what is out there, you do not want to be one of those individuals in court. So it is starting to happen. Uh, wasn't quite sure when it was going to happen, but holy cow, it is happening fast. Uh, a lot faster than what I had anticipated. So that's some really good data for you guys. Thought I'd just uh, give an extra plug and share that for y'all. And um, there you go. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. Okay, folks, welcome back to the show. I am excited for a repeat soon to hopefully be a three-peat at some point in the future. But I've got our friend Lauren Clement back on the line again. Uh, how are you, my dear? I'm awesome, thank you. It's lovely to be back. It is, and it's wonderful to see you are traveling around causing all sorts of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm lounging next to the pool here in Chiang Mai in Thailand while we have a chat. It's lovely. I'm in my shorts and T-shirt. It's fabulous. Life is wonderful. It is. Well, it's awesome. So, got a tremendous amount of feedback about how great your episode was. It is top ranking in the show, and I was just so excited. We'd been planning this for a while to do two episodes together. We did the first one uh, was on how to brand yourself as a professional in, in this industry, and then now we're going to talk about how to brand yourself as an employer of choice. And Lauren is a branding specialist. This is what she does. And she's worked some, for some fairly large companies, a real whiz-bang at it, and I just, I just love her to death. She's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I think you're awesome, too. Thank you. It'd be really great if I just sat here and watched you and you're sipping a Mai Tai while we're going through this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you might not be able to understand what I'm saying at the end of that, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it then, you know, so I'll, I'll hit pause and go get one, and then we'll join you. How's that? <laughs> It's a virtual cocktail. <laughs> Maybe later in the day. It's about breakfast time at the moment where I am. So, but early, but I don't think the Thais ever, oh, they must serve alcohol at this time. Who knows? Who knows? <clears throat> anyway, so 
thank you again for joining us. And like I said, we want to talk about what companies can, what are some of the things that they can do to adopt and start branding them as, as an employer of choice. Now, I don't know what it's like down where you are in Australia, but here in the States, you know, we've also got artificial intelligence that in my humble, which is a whole nother podcast episode, which is also, I believe, kind of creating some interference because I think some of that talent, if it's not submitted in a way to where the computer catches it, it goes into what I refer to as the B bucket and not the A bucket. Mm. So, so, but for a lot of employers are finding that they're struggling to find the right talent. Talent is saying that they're having a problem getting some of the jobs. So I wanted to focus in on the employer struggling to find talent and what are some best practices that they can put into place from a branding specialist like yourself that will help them really reach out and find the people who are out there looking for a job. Mm, absolutely. And it is so much about positioning. I mean, we know that. Um, I think globally it's the same issue with AI and all sorts of IT and new new incredible um, things like Xero and um, all of the accounting that's coming out of India and the services that you can get. I mean, yesterday I got my, my laundry done here in Thailand. They came to my hotel, they picked it up, they took it away, washed it, came back freshly ironed, and, and it cost about $8 for that to happen. So, you know, um, this is what's happening in the world is that there's more outsourcing, there's more technology that's enabling us to do things easier. I, I agree with you, Brenda. I don't think we will ever see humans being totally removed from the environment. Um, but there are exceptions. There are robotics and factories and all sorts of things that are doing away with certain tasks and jobs that used to be had. I mean, in my background, um, I've seen the disappearance over the years in the printing industry of plate setters and filmmakers because yeah. you don't have that anymore. It goes directly straight to the computer and it prints it. There's direct to plate. You don't need that. A whole environment of, of prefabrication, if you like, for that whole industry has gone. And we predicted that it would go and we warned people about it and we told them to upgrade their computers and start getting into other things. And it is, as you say, Brenda, about identifying with your business what makes you special and why people should enjoy working there. What is the environment like? What technology have you got in place? Um, where is your company going? Talking about the future and, and really showing people from a, a branding point of view with your business of how you are different, how you are looking at the trends, because people are looking to work for companies that are gonna be around. Um, mm -hmm. Just recently in Australia, um, one of the major iconic brands there has ceased to exist and they announced it just two days ago, um, the Holden brand. And Holden's a make of car um, in Australia, and it's been iconic there. Holden versus Ford has been the big thing for decades, and Holden now no, will no longer be made ever again. So if anyone's got a Holden, wow. um, they're hanging on to them. There's some really iconic Holden um, editions of their vehicles that people are hanging on to because they will be worth some money into the future now. Um, but, yeah, that's a big brand that innovated years ago, um, made amazing vehicles, and now is ceasing to exist. So they just cannot compete against the imported vehicles in Australia. So, and again, Australia is quite different from the United States in the fact that there's only, you know, a, a, a much, much smaller population, 25 million people in Australia, same size landmass, but only 25 yeah. million people, you know. So, um <clears throat> Anything, it's hot in the middle. It's <laughs> hot in the middle and not many people live there. Exactly. It's actually hot in most places but still. But, yes, I, I agree with you. I think the big thing, I mean, years ago people used to look at, oh, I'd love to work for Disney or I'd love to work for Google or I'd love to work for Facebook because they were seen <clears> as cutting-edge, <throat> leading-edge um, or bleeding-edge businesses and it was exciting and they were great brand names to work for. Then you hear the stories of the fact that they provide you know, gyms and daycare for your kids and, and you, can, you don't need to leave the office to eat because they've got amazing cafes and restaurants and things there and what a great environment they have and they have slides and they have hammocks and they have, it's really a, a creative nap, environment. Nap but they pods. do that, yeah, they do that because they don't want their staff to go home. They don't want you to have a life outside of Google, you know. So, so there is, you know, you've got to weigh all those things up. But I think you're right. Businesses as a brand, it's exactly the same as branding as a person. You need to figure out what is your point of difference, how can you promote that to the market, and 
and how can you stand out as a business that's going places, that people want to be part of, that you're riding the waves, you're leading technology, or you've got amazing experts that work for you, you're cutting edge, or whatever it is that you're doing, or maybe it's just about being reliable and sustainable, that you're going to be around to supply people with an income and a reason to be there into the future. So when you when companies look at let's take a look at what they do as far as building a careers page for instance right Mm -hmm. now naturally that's not just something that any hr champion can just go and do on their own they actually have to work with their marketing team but the marketing team is is there really to help shepherd them through the process but i think from like so (laughs) you and i've known each other for a little while now and you know, I've shared with you that anytime I've tried to write persuasive language in marketing that is outside of HR, because it hasn't been my thing, and now that I'm a business owner, I have to learn how to kind of make it my thing, and you've been helping out, so thank you. Um, but the, but for me, it's like it used to, I always used to sound like Brenda's used, crazy used car lot, right? <laughs> could work for us, could work for us, yeah, yeah. Just, just blow up on the side of the road going, work for us, yeah, yeah. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) So, you know, I always thought I sounded tacky and campy and Mm. and just like, ugh. So, but I think, I I think in what a place to start would be to get the HR professional, what would be the best mindset for them to start thinking through when it comes to how do they work with the marketing team? Or they may not even have a marketing team. This could be a small business where they really do have to create this on their own. But what kind of mindset do they need to get in to be able to start start making an impactful careers page? It's a very good question. And I think this is one of the struggles, isn't it, is getting the HR and the marketing team to work on the same page which is really vital. Between the two of those departments, they are really the ones responsible for creating the culture of the business. And and brand culture is a massive part of attracting the right people to your business. Um, The marketing team, obviously, a lot of their work is external, so it's outward-facing. They're looking at attracting customers and attracting, um, you know, clients and so on. But when it comes to attracting staff, they have to be really aligned with the brand purpose for the company and giving their HR team that direction and saying, this is what our company stands for, this is our vision, this is our mission, this is our core element that we have, our essence of our brand and what we live up to. And if your business hasn't already done that and you don't have, I mean, I've seen a lot of them done really badly, Brenda, you know, the mission statement stuck on the wall and no one reads it. And and if you ask the staff, what's the vision for the company, everyone go, uh, I don't know. And, you know, it's just... Yeah, nothing. So it needs to be something that's created from within. It never works as a culture um, from people talking it down. So it's no good for the the CFO or the CEO to come in and say, right, our vision and mission is blah. Um, It needs to be created by the people. It's a little bit like, you know, the the Declaration of Independence, by the people for the people, you know. It needs to be within the organisation. So if you can get the marketing team to work with the HR team to first of all align what is our core essence to our brand? What sort of business are we? How do we want to make people feel? Even I'd encourage you to work on a, a single-minded purpose for the brand, for the business. What's the number one emotion? The one word brand strategy that's all around how you make people feel, be that external or internal, then you're a long way towards creating an amazing culture in your business. And then when you create your jobs page, your careers page, <clears throat> A, you can talk about your brand essence, what your business is all about. You can share how you want to make people feel and engage and connect with people on that level. But B, why don't you have a careers page and an opportunity page there created by people within your business? Why does it have to be a statement written by your HR team? Can't you go around the office and do a quick video, obviously get consent from the people who work there and say, hey, can you tell us, why is it so cool to work here? Why do you love working with us? Get some Vox Pops, edit them together and put it up as a video on your careers page. Hey, look, we think it's an awesome place to work, but don't listen to us, listen to the staff. Here's what they have to say. 
and get testimonials on there from the staff, why they think it's such a great business. Is it because they provide daycare or healthcare or is it because they really look after you and if you want to advance your career or that, that they create spaces for you to have time out? What is it that, that you love about being here? Um, and definitely, if you can, get clear on your vision and your mission as a business, put on your careers page the 10 things that our business stands for, even the five things that we stand for. And if you're aligning with this, if this is a place that you can see yourself working, then make an inquiry, look at the, the, the opportunities we have here and get in touch with us. And make it easy for people to make an inquiry to find out without feeling like they're already being interrogated. Yeah. Yeah, I think too is um, something that would be a great call forward is <clears throat> if a company has any type of like awards that they've won for being an employer, mm. I think those mm. are really great because those aren't hard, those are not easy to get. You people, it's not just something that all of a sudden, boop, you wake up one morning and you're an award winner. You have to go through a submission process and it really requires you to dig deep. And if you have that, award, you know, talk to whoever submitted for the award because they have some really great vernacular that they've already put into place that you can mm. actually use for that particular page. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's one of the major benefits of entering awards. And you know I'm a real, um, uh, you know, really proactive around awards. It's what we love helping people with. But yes, when you write an awards entry, you can re that into a business plan, a marketing plan, a statement of intent, as you say, on your website, you can certainly repurpose that content. Um, the interesting thing that you mentioned as well about awards, I was working with a company based out of the Philippines um, called GoVA, the fabulous Fiona Kesby, who is amazing. And she's been there for a number of years. She's Australian, but lives in the Philippines. And they have the lowest staff turnover in the Philippines and this is wow. an industry I mean virtual assistant it's a high turnover industry with yep. it's a lot of staff churn in Philippines you can imagine just you know wearing people out and move on to the next one so she specifically started go VA with it in mind that she wanted to be the best place in the Philippines to work the people were falling over themselves to be part of her team I think she started with about 10 staff they've now got 150 160 staff wow. um, they do amazing projects they've won multiple awards for what they do and one of the awards they just won was Asia CEO awards and they won for um, the workplace of the year and that's the thing isn't it is if you can find an awards that's out there not even necessarily in your industry but for the way you treat your staff or consumer services or customer service or anything else to do with how you look after your people yep. and go for those awards, then yes, even if you don't win, you can at least say you've been nominated, you yep. can say you're a finalist and you can certainly repurpose the award entry to use on your website as your statement of intent in terms of how you look after people. It's a great way to do it. Yep. No, I agree. Um, I completely agree. And that's what I love. And, you know, excite when I was with CarMax years ago, I was part of the team for two years when we submitted for the top one, Forbes top 100 companies, best companies to work for. And it is an extensive process. I had no mm -hmm. idea. So, yeah, there's a lot of really great takeaways from something like that. <clears throat> um, and I love the idea of the videos. I was actually going to ask you about that because I think, you know, we're, I think we're getting away from the age where people are reading and now they're watching. It's all about mm. faster and how quick you can absorb it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you may yeah. write, a, you know, Pulitzer winner piece of content. They're not going to read it if <laughs> they have to no, scroll exactly. through them once. I actually think there's some research out there, and I haven't found it yet, but someone mentioned it a while ago, that human beings now have a, a smaller attention span than a goldfish. And somebody's actually researched this and tested it. And I think wow. it's something like 3.2 seconds or something. Yeah. And, a, and a goldfish is 3.8 or something. So, you know, um, yeah, it's scary, but you're right. And I do think um, actually having members of your team on video talking about what it's like to work in the business is such a great endorsement. Yes. And we all know third-party endorsement is just so much more powerful than you telling somebody yes. why you're so good. It's really incredibly powerful. It's more believable. Um, you know, it's more engaging. People want to watch it. They want to ask more questions. Yeah, for sure. Very good. I love it.
So I've got another piece that I think is really important is actually how people write the job ad itself, the actual posting itself. Mm -hmm. and, and I've got an example. <clears throat> so I'm, you know, I, I constantly preach that, you know, feedback is a gift. I've been using that phrase since, oh God, what, 2000? And, and we use it, you know, with the, we do the transition work with the team. So I'm actually going to read this to you, and I would love your feedback. And this is, a, this is an example of what I have always preached to be a good job ad, a, like a, a, a kind of something to consider how to take it in a format. But we've got, we've got the award winner here, so <laughs> we'll <laughs> get the feedback. Sure. No problem. So this is actually from a client that I wrote, and I've taken out the name of the company and the location, but it gives you guys an idea. And this isn't a mag And by the way, this isn't a manufacturing environment. And manufacturing right now is really just struggling in the U.S. I, I don't know what it is about it, but it is its challenge right now. So finding people to come into a manufacturing uh, arena is also really challenging. Okay, so first sentence. <clears throat> Do you want to be part of a growing company and provides opportunity to learn? Very first sentence. And then it goes into a second sentence, or a second paragraph. It says, the ABC company is a premier manufacturing company designing and fabricating interactive touchscreen kiosks, developing leading software, and do a lot of great work for national companies. We're a highly trusted service, which is due in part to the care and commitment of our team of dedicated employees. We are growing and currently have an open position for a CNC operator in our northern office. Just that opening. What are your initial thoughts? Can you read me the first line again? Yeah. Do you want to be part of a growing company and provides opportunity to learn? Question mark. Do you want to be part of a growing company and provides or that provides? That provides opportunity, opportunity to learn. Opportunity to learn. Yeah. Okay, cool. Gotcha. So to my mind, the opening headline needs to be the thing that captivates people and gets them in there. Now, I come from an advertising background, mm -hmm. so to me, that first line of your ad has got to be the eye catcher. That's why ads that work are the ones that say, get 30% off quality leather furniture, whatever it is, straight away. They'll offer right at the top. So, do you want is probably something that's a little bit weak in my mind, would be the only thing. I would okay. get rid of the do you want. I would just start with be part be part or it's your time your you deserve it needs to be more focused on the person um rather than do you want well they're looking in the job ads of course they want that's why they're already there so i think you've you know you want you want to try and use as, as many powerful words as possible in that headline so i'd cut back on that do you want part and just say be part of and away you go. And really focus on, I think this is a company that is leading edge. They're creating these touchscreen kiosks. Um, yes, it's manufacturing, but, you know, there's an opportunity for you not only learn, but to develop yourself, to get into that. So what is the key thing that this person would want from this role and what is actually being offered? So if it's a, is it a management level, I think you mentioned. No, 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 no. This huh? is labor, labor level. Labor. Okay, awesome. So. Probably the biggest hesitation for people working in a manufacturing environment is the thing that it's always been, is that it's going to be the same tedious thing over and over again, sitting in a machine, uh, boring, not that great on your body, all these sorts of things. So what is it that's actually a benefit to a manufacturing job? So is it that it's steady, reliable income, you know your hours, you can get up at 5 p.m. and finish and go home for the day and not have to worry about it, it's not high pressure, it's not high stress, you're looking for someone who's got an eye for detail, quality, they like working with IT. So what's, you know, I think the, the ad needs to be really promoting the benefits of this job, but also overcoming those barriers. Okay. That it's going to be invigorating, there's plenty of room for... Um, promotion, there's lots of class, staff support, you get lots of breaks, you get lots of holiday, you can come in at a set time, you know exactly what your hour is going to be, it's not shift work. So what are the other things that you can talk about as a benefit? It's not hard on your body, you're sitting at a machine, ideal for somebody who might have, um, and I know you've got restrictions of what you can and can't put in job right. adverts in terms of age and sex and so on, but maybe this is a great job for someone who um, you know, you don't need to have a high level of education, your mobility, you don't need to have a high level of mobility, 
So, you know, you don't mind. This is the thing, I think, that, that companies, and it's a shame in a way that these restrictions have been brought in because if you could say to somebody, ideal for somebody with a disability, you know, fantastic, but you can't do that these days. No. Um, and that's a, a shame to me because I think the big thing is people don't want jobs for jobs. They want jobs because they want an income, they want a nice life, and they want to do something with that income that they earn yep. that helps them. And they want a nice working environment. They want it to be pleasant. They want it to be positive. They want to be looked after. They want to be appreciated. Yep. So from a, a job, just, just, and I haven't written a job description in years, Brenda. So um, <laughs> no, you're the master for that. But I would think of it, if you're looking at it more as an ad, what's the number one reason why this person would love this job? And who is it that you're really wanting to attract? And what are their key desires? Yep. What are they really looking for? So, um, yeah, word it that way and you'd be away. But the format that you've got is fine. It mentions what the job is, you know, what sort of person you're looking for and so on. Probably needs just to have that real hard-hitting headline. The right. best job for someone wanting set hours, you know, no stress, but, you know, a reliable income. If you can find a job with no stress... I will personally fly you here to the U.S. and celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it'd be hard to pry you out of your crowing chicken in the background well, over in Thailand, but that's okay. Thailand adventure sitting in Chiang Mai, exactly. <laughs> but no, I'm not pissed at all. But um, yeah, but, but what can you do to position that role for someone who just really wants, I want a paycheck at the end of the week. I want to know that I'm doing a good job. Yep. I love the ICT industry. I want to be part of that, but I don't want to have to have to worry about things. I don't want to have to manage people. I just want to turn up, do my job, yep. be very proud of what I do, and go home at the end of the day and have a weekend off. So I'm going to continue on so you can hear a little bit more of this. Um, yep. But you're right. I mean, it would be great to be able to really put more of an advertising spin on this. And, and you have to find that, that mix, that balance between the HR and the influential <laughs> You know, language that's out there. So uh, it continues on to read, Are CNC operators responsible for the operation of modern three- and five-axis CNC machines to fabricate parts, loading parts, and cycle the machine, as well as detect malfunctions in machine operations, such as worn or damaged cutting tools? And operators must also program and perform custom machining of plastic parts. So anybody who's been in this role understands what these things are <clears throat> and I think that's important that you're not putting um, you're what, basically if somebody doesn't understand what this is and they're new to the environment and they're new to you know machining they're not going to understand how to perform mm -hmm. custom machining of plastic parts I mean yeah. you're writing this for a more advanced individual that certainly will speak for them but as we go on, you know, we talk about what we expect for our candidates. And what we, what we talk about is we appreciate our employees and are looking for candidates who are responsible and reliable. Now, that's a, that's a values-based culture right there. Mm, that's, absolutely. That's their culture. And, and that mm. would be for any employer. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't have to be, correct me if I'm wrong, but it shouldn't be like overwhelming language. Just keep it simple. Mm. Communicate both well verbally and in writing. Are flexible and adaptable to changes in schedule and environment. Uh, demonstrates integrity and professionalism. And there's a distinct difference between having and demonstrating. Mm. Those words mean two different things. Mm. Absolutely. Can I ask a quick question, Brenda? Absolutely. One of the requirements was to be able to communicate well verbally and in writing. Mm -hmm. How much of this job is required that they write reports? Not so much rep write reports, but they actually have to communicate in an uh, automated production system where they have to put in production notes. So they have to be able to clearly communicate if they're having... Like if they get hung up or bottlenecked in a specific product, uh, process, mm. some employees, when they have these automated systems, they have to add notes. So they can't use like uh, shortened sentences like you would use in texting. You actually have mm. to write something out in a technical manner. So they have to be able to provide that information. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, I'm thinking... And this might just be my, the way my brain works. If you're looking for someone who's technically capable at making things, at machining and so on, 
they, and I'm making a, a broad brush statement here, they don't tend to be the people who are highly attracted to jobs where they have to write large reports and so on. You're so right. when you say written communications, you might be better to be more specific and say production notes rather than written communications. Because it could be put someone off. They go, oh, my God, I really love the idea of machining, but if I have to sit and write reports about this, I'm not going to enjoy this job. So, yep. you know, I think you also have to play to the strength. Would you rather have, and this is a story I'd love to share, I worked once with a company who did industrial abseiling. And the reason I worked with them was that my, my partner at the time was a rock climbing instructor. So, But he was also very, very capable at handyman type work. He was very, very good. In fact, he's now got a business and runs a business in Spain as a handyman, which is hilarious. But he was employed by the industrial abseiling company to teach the builders how to abseil. Now, we asked the question, well, why don't you just get rock climbing people to do it? Because they already know how to harness themselves and be safe and so on. And he said, look, if I can get you down to where you need to be on the building, that's great. But if you don't know how to be a builder, you're hanging on the end of a rope. You're useless to me. Yep. I would rather get capable builders and teach them how to safely abseil down a building so that at least when they get to the site, they know what they're doing. He said, I tried using rock climbing people and I'd get them down there and they'd go, right, what do you want me to do? I don't understand this. So, so the, the point being, you really want the best machinist in this role. Mm -hmm. And if they're not as capable at writing reports or, or they're not absolutely brilliant at verbal communication, but you can teach them that, yep. that's something that you can improve them. But, hey, the biggest thing we want is somebody really good on the tools. Yeah. So it's a case of waiting, isn't it, as to what's the yep. most important thing for this job, rather than throwing, hey, I want someone. I've, I've seen so many ads. We want you to be able to use Excel and Microsoft and da-da-da. Oh, and we also want you to be able to do event management and can you do some publicity <laughs> and some marketing and some – and it's like over, I could never do that job. Focus on what's the one – key aspect element of this role that you want them to be the absolute best at yep. and look if you have these other things as well that's perfect but it's just the cream on top no I love that I absolutely love that because we do forget because you know we in order to create an effective job ad or a job posting like this we have to have a strong job description and that's mm -hmm. really more the technical side of it you know, where we really spell out what it is that we want. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see, now I'm going to tell you that what I've been reading to everybody is just a sample of what I've been doing for years and, and you've been, and I've been very successful at it and you've given me some really great tips. So thank you very much for that. But what I, the biggest mistake that I see is um, people copy and paste from the job description and they use that as the sole function of a job ad. And you know how boring that thing is? <laughs> Who gets excited about that? Yeah, exactly. And you're right. I mean, the purpose, again, you've got to go back to what's the purpose of your job ad. The purpose of a, a job ad is to get the right people into your funnel, to get out of the hundred or so, you know, CVs or inquiries you're going to get come in, that you get at least a good 20 that you will take to the next stage. That's the whole purpose of that ad. Yeah. So your ad needs to really focus on what are the key core elements of this person. Reliable, um, you know, um, capable at machining, all those sorts of things. What are the key elements you need to attract? And then interview them and find out where they're at with these other things that you'd quite like and work out, well, is that something they can learn? Are they capable of progressing here? Could they go on to the next stage where we actually look at trying them? So you're right, Brenda, it is different purpose, isn't it? The purpose of a job ad versus the purpose of a job description, yes. two completely different things. Yeah. And the last thing that I would say, too, um, is that, you know, we've been talking a lot about bringing forward your culture, bringing it forward in your environment, and, you know, putting that, that really great spin to it. But here's the thing. Don't overspin if that's not your environment. If you know that you guys have a toxic environment, don't tell people that you have the best environment in the world and that you're something that you're not because mm. you're going to get a horrible rap. And I'm sure you've seen that in your, in oh, your work. Absolutely. And, and it's funny, actually. And I think about the advertising agencies that I worked for. I'm, I really wanted to work at Saatchi and Saatchi. I remember 
years before, well, maybe a year before I worked there, I sat in a, a cafe opposite there and I said to my friend who I was working at a different agency at the time with, I said, I'm going to work there. You mark my words, I'm going to work at Saatchi and Saatchi. That's where I want to work. And it was funny because she went on to work at one of the other agencies, which I ended up working at as well, um, Cleminger BBDO. And she said to me one day, I didn't want to work at Saatchi's because I thought they were too highbrow. I thought that because Saatchi's at the time were probably one of the top 10 award-winning advertising agencies in the world at this stage. They were just on the absolute top of their game. Cleminger's was a little bit more low-key. They were focused more on direct marketing. They didn't have the big showy, flashy clients like Saatchi's did. Um, and they had, I mean, at the time, Saatchi's had some really big names. I mean, how Grieve was there. Just imagine a huge number of really creative people. Maggie Moe was there. Just massive people working for this agency. And I was attracted to that. She was attracted more to the, look, I just want to work for an agency that's a little bit more under the radar, doing amazing work. Um, and she ended up there. And two completely different cultures. I worked for both of those agencies at different times. And Really, once they'd set their culture and the staff set the culture, which was amazing, um, you couldn't change that. They were known for those cultures and they probably still are to this day. But that you're right. You've got to be what you are. You cannot fake it because, no. A, it doesn't make sense to do it anyway. You're not going to attract the right people. B, you're just going to piss people off and then you'll get a bad reputation in the marketplace. And C, if you don't allow the culture of your business to be built from the ground up by the people who work within the business and you try and paint something from the outside, it's A, not going to be relevant. And it's just you're, you're going to have end up with staff tune because people are going to turn up and go, oh, this isn't what I expected it to be like. Yeah. you know. And at Saatchi's, we could tell when a new staff member arrived, a new creative team or whoever arrived, we knew probably within hours whether that person was going to fit or not. Amazing, eh? The staff culture yeah. was that strong that we would know. And I could, I turned up probably two or three years after I'd finished working at Saatchi's and I had to go in there for a meeting and they knew me by name and they asked how my family was and they asked me if I was still doing – and it was they knew me. They remembered me from those years. So that's the sort of culture that I loved. And yeah. I just felt part of it. And you could tell. You could tell the people who fitted and the people who didn't. Yep. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome again. Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah, I feel like I'm on vacation with you. I can hear the morning doves in the background and your crowing chicken. <laughs> or your I rooster. The cockerel, the cockerel starts at about five o'clock, I think. <laughs> I don't know where he is. I haven't managed to find him yet, but he's around. So yeah. Oh, he's close. He's close. He'll be dinner by the weekend, so don't panic. <laughs> I haven't had um, chicken feet soup here yet. It's not one of my favourites. So, yeah, no. no I don't blame you. <laughs> no, there's some beautiful food here. It is, Carl Soy is my favourite here. It's is, is like a, a light coconut-based uh, chicken curry. It's really, really nice. Like, oh, just wow. fabulous here, but yeah. But no, we, we eat far too much lovely food here and, um, and drink too much beer because it's like really cheap. <laughs> but uh, I am going to the gym as well. But no, um, I, I love your approach to this, Brenda. I think you're so right. And if, if you can, as a business, work on creating a culture for your brand that comes from the inside, from the people working within it, go and talk to the people who've been there the longest. Why are you still here? You know, you do get people who just want the comfort zone, but what is it about the place that makes them feel like they want to stay? Talk to the new people. Why were they attracted to the business? What what do they think about working there? Talk to the people who are, you know, at the lowest of the low. I mean, who was it? There's been a couple of people who run businesses who go onto the shop floor, don't they? And they talk to the guy cleaning the floor. They talk to the woman cleaning yep. the toilets. They find out about what they think of the business. Um, you know, because that's the only way you can really understand your business culture. It doesn't come from the boardroom. It comes from the shop floor. Yep. I would, I would agree. I mean, it, you, ideally, and we've got a lot of books and we've got a lot of things out there and a lot of courses that, you know, culture is really defined by, you know, the, uh, the, the high level and then it works its way down. But I agree with you. There are subcultures within organizations and, you know, an, a, a leader, an apex leader can work to build a culture in an organization. And this is like a whole nother podcast episode in and of itself. They can work to build that culture, but they also have to absorb what you're saying too, is that there is a culture that exists. And if yeah. they're not 
and if they're not wrapping their arms around it and getting those individuals involved and 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 you know welcoming them in how do how do you weave that all together then mm. they're kind of fooling themselves a little bit but at the same yeah. time you also want your and this is very much the approach here in the states is that you want people to latch on to your culture, but if you're not hiring the right people that mm. have that mindset or they don't have similar values or, you know, they're not willing to learn or they're not willing to flex and they're not willing to be, you know, put them out where it's a little risky. You know, it's like I like mm. being out on the skinny branches as scary as it is. Um, you know, you're always at risk of breaking, but that's where the fruit is, right? Yeah. And if you don't have, if that's what you need in your minds, in, in the mindset of your people, but that's not what you're hiring, even though you could be writing it. I mean, that's a whole different situation right there, yeah. but it all comes to it. So I guess the big point is, is that, you know, if you want to be an employer of choice, make sure that you're real. Bottom yeah. line, keep it real. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if um, you got it in the States, but once uh, Richard Branson was the host on The Apprentice, um, based in England. And uh, it was like Donald Trump's Apprentice, but this was in, in the UK. And on the first episode, he dressed up as the taxi driver, taking <laughs> the prospective um, uh, apprentices to the mansion or whatever it was to meet Richard Branson. And he fired people that night based on how they had treated the taxi driver. Wow. So he yeah. purposely set them up by acting as a lowly taxi driver to see what their real personality was. So, you know, and from that, he decided who he wanted in his environment. So you have to, as the, the head of a department or the CEO or the head of HR, you have to get down and work alongside your people, turn up at meetings that you're not even supposed to be in and right. just observe how do people treat each other? Yeah. You know, how do they live up to the culture? Is it a different culture to what you're expecting? Is it matching where your brand culture is? Is it following your values and your mission or is it way off? Yep. And then reevaluate. Well, maybe our mission has to change to fit what we've created as a culture or maybe our culture has to change to fit the values. But you won't know that, like you say, unless you're being real, unless you're working out yep. where people are and, and observing what's going on. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to do like a whole nother podcast episode just on that. So we're going down the rabbit hole. I can see it happening. <laughs> so thank you so very much again for joining. This has just been another fantastic, another fantastic interview with you. So I really do appreciate it. Brilliant. I love it, Brenda. I think we should rename the podcast Talking Shit with Brenda and Lauren, but you know, it's awesome. Thank you so much. It's been really awesome. And I love talking about all these incredible topics. I think so many people learn from what you're doing, Brenda. I think it's just awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Very good. And I will catch you later. Our next Gen Women in HR Facebook community is now six months old. It's awesome. We've got almost 160 members in it as of today, the time that we've recorded this podcast, <clears throat> and it's continuously growing. And one of the things that we've been talking about are three main pain points that everybody in HR has. And they're really, the way the, the community has given feedback, they're ranked in this order. First off, First and foremost, not enough time to do everything that you as an HR pro want to do. Secondly, some people just simply don't know what to do in order to stay compliant. And a good chunk of people that are in this community are individuals who are trying to figure HR out. We do have a lot of seasoned professionals as well. Um, but <clears throat> you know what? I've even been I've been doing this for what twenty over twenty years now, and I still learn stuff new every single day. All right. Um, and, and lastly, there's also, they don't seem to feel like there's enough support from the company to get the HR agenda met. And you know what? I really honestly don't know an HR professional um, out there right now that hasn't felt that way until they figured out the secret sauce to it or is currently feeling this way. <clears throat> and so we've got some solutions out there I wanted to share with you guys. So first off, let's talk about not having enough time for you to do what it is that you want to do. So I have... I got a letter a while ago, an email from a really nice lady who was telling me that she's taking these time management courses and it just doesn't seem to be helping. And I explained to her and I said, well, 
take away the time management and put in task management. And that's going to help you out quite a bit. <clears throat> and it got me thinking about, well, what can I put out there to help everybody? And so I created, based off of a tool that I've been using for, oh my gosh, I've been using this eight years now. Um, it's called the Task Planner for Crazy Busy HR Pros. And it helps take time management out of that equation and helps you manage the workload. And you can actually find this. It's available over at the bestpractices.work website. There's a downloadable link. And I've also provided for a free tutorial for you guys. So all you have to do is just go. It's right there on the home page. <clears throat> Scroll down within the first third of the web page and you'll be able to go ahead and do that. Now the second thing is, is that um, we talked about they just simply don't know what to do in order to stay compliant put a solution there for that as well. And I've adopted for many years an HR calendar. This also goes back about eight, nine years. And I remember I remember being in a company that did this and I, I, I just always have had that. And so if they weren't producing it, I was creating it. So I've actually generated what's called the best HR planner on the planet. And what it does is it lists all the basic employment laws that companies have to follow based off of the size of the workforce. It gives a lot of really great information. Um, it provides a schedule of compliance deadlines. Uh, there's a 12-month monthly calendar that you can mark certain important dates as you figure out how you're going to build your HR strategy. <clears throat> I've also provided a year-end checklist. And then there's an actual uh, a section of active links that you can get real-time information on all of the employment laws that were actually listed in there. Now, I'm also hosting two free webinars that are going to be in the Next Gen Women in HR Facebook group on how to use this tool and then how to build the HR strategy for Q3 planning session. And you can actually find this planner at the bestpractices.work website. Click on the shop link and you'll be able to go ahead and download the digital copy. You can go ahead and bind it. I did that. I put it into a, a uh, sent it off to a printing company. I had it come back with a spiral marker so I can make a book out of it. <clears throat> and if you're like me, you like writing in stuff like that. It's actually, it gives you an opportunity. There's like a couple pages in there for notes. Um, and then actually, um, if you wanted to print that out, I've actually also included a section on my website that you can link to using the URL in that. So if you need to look something up that's in the resource section of your book, you can actually just quickly flick through it on your cell phone and get to it remotely as well. So that's pretty cool. So that kind of, that takes away the don't know what to do to stay compliant. Doesn't take away, but it certainly adds to it. And then finally, um, in order to get support from the company, get support from your boss, um, we got a couple of things. First off, I went ahead and launched and put together a course called Selling HR to Your Boss and Improving Your Yes Factor by 10X. And this is based off of some work that I learned how to do back in 2013. And when I learned how to do it, when I learned how to put together a strong business proposition, what I found is that all the things that I wanted to get done or the things that I recommended to my clients who I was constantly talking to CEOs, what happened was is that my voice went above all of the fray and all of the other different types of uh, issues that a CEO or a boss, president of the company, whatever, has to deal with because of the approach and how it aligned to their problems, to their needs how it aligned to as they perceived issues that it, that stemmed with people and processes in the organization. Um, and it, it works. I promise you it works. It's really great. It's not 100% foolproof, but it does tend to help you get uh, that working uh, collaboration between you and the boss. So it's really great. And I put that together. That is over on <clears throat> what I call the HR University. Um, it is also on the bestpractices.work website. The course, it's free. Anybody can grab this. All right. It's called Selling HR to Your Boss and Improving Your Yes Factor by 10x. And then that something that helps pony that is the ability to talk to people about what you're going through, because let's face it, HR people just really don't have time, nor do we also have the opportunity to go out and network and build that very vital board of advisors, right? Partners that know what you're going through 
that's a lot of what we have over in the HR community, over in the Next Gen Women in HR community. So there's a coaching program that's about ready to expand uh, even more so. It got launched, it's really loose, but it is about ready to expand. And there's going to be some more information coming down on the pike for that one as well. But it's awesome. It involves an HR monthly roundtable where you can sit, you can ask your questions, you can hear what other HR pros are talking about or trying to figure out, and you can get that support. If it happens to be a light day, well, then guess what? You get a lot of personal one-on-one attention because um, we've got a couple of people that are already involved in it. They don't always get a chance to come in, but when they do and there's nobody else around, you get real, real specific attention. So hopefully you guys can go ahead and join. You can find that over on the HR University as well. You guys know that I love when you email me questions. And I had a really interesting one that came from, again, the employee perspective. Now you can submit your questions on the bestpractices.org website. And by clicking on the podcast link from the menu down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form for you to go ahead and post your questions, which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. So today, like I said, it comes from the employee perspective. And I can certainly understand why this Uh, perspective exists, especially right now. But the question is, is it every boss's dream or reality to be able to track your employees every move and how? And you know what? The the answer to that is no, it is not everybody's dream to do something like that. It really isn't because bosses and CEOs have way more problems than you do. And they have to dedicate that, that attention to that. And there was some clarification that came back on this statement and was said that once there's a senior manager who was often caught watching the security cameras and the feed, <clears throat> when eventually he'd pop into the office, he would, the, you know, the boss would go ahead and quickly minimize the screen, much like what he does um, with his online stuff when the boss pops in. <laughs> so, um, you know what? Look, companies can monitor things for a wide variety of reasons. Um, and this really falls into what I think, in my opinion, the absence of information, people make stuff up. My number one live and die rule in the absence of information, people make stuff up. If you see something that looks sketch, you don't know what it is. Human beings automatically and instinctively, we don't like not knowing. So when we don't know, we create a theory or a story to replace that, to plug into where that void is and not understand. You don't, you don't know what this person's looking at. Uh, you know, we automatically as human beings don't always think things in a positive light at first. We kind of have to take some effort onto that. The other thing that he uh, stated was that, you know, employers can also and often do, which is where I disagree, read your email and track your internet usage. So in larger companies, yes, they do monitor uh, internet usage for a wide variety of reasons. You know, they do have to monitor internet usage because there's a bandwidth concern. Um, they also want to make sure that what is not happening is that people are accidentally downloading malware, spyware, you know, all the badware that's out there. And uh, being able to uh, monitor what's going on with the internet is very important. In addition to that, because there's a lot of that stuff is attached to undesirable websites. Um, you know, years ago, we had somebody that searched for something and it popped up a bunch of naughty websites and this person was freaking out. So, oh my gosh, this is not what I, this is not what I wanted and immediately shut down and it, it popped up all kinds of flags. So it wasn't good, but you know what? So employers monitor what they need to control. They don't monitor you to control you as an employee. They monitor the content in order to ensure the ramifications and the repercussions of, of that don't, don't impact the workplace in a negative spot, right? So that's the reason why the monitoring is placed. But that gives you an understanding of what employees really truly think about this stuff. It gives you an understanding of what it is they believe actually takes place with their employers. And um, you know what? The more transparent you are as an organization, you're never going to be able to get that conversation away. You're never going to be able to put that to bed. But the more understanding you guys are as employers and you work with your employees to really truly understand how things are within the organization, you can certainly diminish a lot of that and help keep people focused on, you know, engagement, help them keep focused on what you need them to do, which is their work and their job, and then to help move the organization forward. 
So the next gen women in HR community, I've been talking about this, talked about it a little bit earlier. <clears throat> it's, it's this really awesome place where we have real conversations with real time, real people. Um, there's new and exciting changes that are coming in the next several months. And I'm, I'm just really excited about it. This is an awesome group of women and men and we're constantly growing and we're growing pretty quickly. And I can speak for the group and share that we'd love to have you join us and get in on the conversation. And after all, especially right now, we really need to support one another. We really need to have that thing where we're, you know, we stop absorbing and we start talking. And the Next Gen Women in Facebook group is an awesome place to start. And the Next Gen Women in HR member program has expanded to include the monthly coaching program, which I mentioned earlier, and a member resource site where I host all of the updates that I get on a regular basis that help keep me <laughs> tuned in and update what's going on, plus a lot of other helpful information. And I mentioned earlier, it's only going to continue to grow and get better. So please keep listening. Sign up for the updates and the information that I'm going to be sending out over the next several weeks. Now, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Practices in HR, where I give general updates as to what's going on. If you want to connect with me directly, uh, Brenda the HR Lady, I'm over on Instagram at Brenda the HR Lady. And that's where I share a little bit more about what I'm up to. Um, if you'd also like to connect with me professionally, you can find me on LinkedIn at Brenda Neckbottle. And my last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. Over on YouTube, I've been building some library of videos and you can find me again using my name. I've also created, I also actually co-host another program and another show called The Real HR Show with the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas. She's been a guest on the show and um, we broadcast that live every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, uh, you know, we talk about, again, real time, real time topics and what our recommendations and our solutions are. Now, lastly, you can jump on the website at bestpractices.work where you can read up on the new updates that I called out earlier in this podcast. I mentioned that before. And this is something new that I actually decided to add. So that way it gives you more of that leverage to be able to work and move efficiently and smoothly as we are all dealing with these uh, worldwide issues here. So simply visit the bestpractices.org and click on the podcast link and you can get this week's articles listed up there. You can also click connect at the top of the page and get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. So folks, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. I, I love spending time with you guys every week. Um, you know, I get all kinds of really great feedback. So thank you very much for those that, of you that are, uh, you know, giving me a five-star rating. You guys are, you know, a little while ago, I won two business awards. One, this show actually won the best uh, business podcast for the uh, Stevie Awards, American Business Awards in 2020. And right, right on the heels of two other mega companies, BMO Financial, or excuse me, B, yeah, BMO Financial, and then also Intel and their program. Yes, Intel, the computer chip company. And then there was little old me here on this program. So I really appreciate it. And I could not have done that without you guys and joining in. So, um, so thank you again for joining. I really, really enjoy this. I love working with you guys. And, uh, we look forward to talking to you all next week. Have a good one.